0: Well, full disclosure here, neither Mike nor I saw all of the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view. But we're going to talk about it anyway because we're professionals.
1: This and other professional sports reporting stuff coming up on the Miss Spots podcast.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time.
1: I, I would also like to add to what you said in the cold open, Kevin. You you said neither one of us had seen the whole pay per view. Putting us together, we still have not seen the whole pay per view because yes. it's not like because sometimes like oh someone saw the beginning, another saw the end. Nope, that is not the case here. Uh, well, let's.
0: I think we should talk about why because we have watched every AEW pay per view. Uh, since Dynamite started, not yes. the the early stuff before AW existed or when it was still in its infancy, uh, I had a family emergency that I had to uh, take care of, that I had to go home for, and uh, you fell asleep.
1: Yes, I hate my body <laughs> and decided to start drinking at one in the afternoon, Eastern Time. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I I I don't hate my body. But uh, I did start drinking at a very early time. I tried to pace myself and I failed. I, passed I probably didn't out. help that. What?
0: I probably didn't help that by coming no. and bringing alcohol and then just drinking with you more and all that kind of stuff. Nah, it, it,
1: I'm an adult. I make decisions on my own sometimes. <laughs>
0: Now, do uh, you think, now, once again, you fell asleep after drinking all day, which, yes. by the way, I thought you were very with it, uh, very <laughs> coherent. We had a great conversation. I hope you remember it. But yes. uh, I, I did not find you to be overly drunk. Do you think that the reason you fell asleep is boredom? Um, uh, It's quite possible. I fell asleep
1: during the Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara match and... What I do recall from that is Gangrel and Hurricane Helms uh, being involved in it. I'm fairly certain that wasn't a fever dream. and Sounds like uh, one. (laughs) It it should be in 2020. It should be. And, you know, I I am a little disappointed in myself because I did really want to see the main event. I really wanted to see Moxley and Kingston. Um, the MJF Jericho match I wanted to see, but it, it doesn't bug me that I didn't. Um, but I am kind of bummed that I didn't see this uh, main event. And it is probably because of the, uh, the whole cinema cinematic match thing. These things don't catch my interest.
0: Like they, yeah, let's talk about that because I can say without any fear of being I am always willing to say that I can be proved wrong. There are wrestlers that I have that I did not like that I grew to like over time. There were kinds of matches. there were there's been things that I've grown that have grown on me over time. Eddie Kingston. When Eddie Kingston first showed up, I had no interest in him. I was able to listen to his promos, see how he speaks and go, Man, this guy—I—I I admitted on the on the last show. I'm like that guy talked me into the building. I wanted to see the Moxley Kingston match, really on Eddie Kingston's promos, right? And I was very down on him when I first saw him. So I can I can be wrong in my opinion, and I can evolve on that. I have no fear when it comes to a cinematic match at the Hardy Compound. There is no way I will ever enjoy that, ever. Because it's not enjoyable. It is tooth and nail. It is House of Horrors. It is whatever happens with Cameron Grimes and zombies. It is just garbage nonsense that has no place on a show that the match afterwards, you want me to buy these guys have a passionate hatred towards each other and they're willing to do anything But on the other show, they're making meta references to past WWE superstars and Matt Hardy's contract with the WWE. And we're supposed to take those both on the same show at no point. Did Brian Cranston and Gus, or well, I'm using the real name and the character name, I don't care. Did, uh, <laughs> did Walter White and Gus Fring run through doors like Abbott and Costello being chased by the mummy while wackety sax is pa- playing in the background? That's not how entertainment works. It just isn't. And that is not how I want my wrestling. I don't want silly slapstick bullshit right next to uh, passionate, People trying to sell me on the violence of pro wrestling, and that's where my divide is with the AEW product, with the WWE product, with NXT. Sometimes that's where I'm an old fuddy-duddy, but I don't think that is me being old and unwilling to change. It's me wanting consistency from my entertainment.
1: Yeah, and and I think I I, I think it was after the. Uh, Canadian stampede match or whatever the fuck that was called. Uh, I think I said, if you enjoy matches like this, that's fine. Yeah. It's not wrestling. Right. But it's fine that you're entertained by that. Like, again, I don't want to be portrayed as some old, old fart uh, when it comes to wrestling, because I do think that I enjoy a lot of modern, uh, styles when it comes to wrestling, but that's just it, it. That doesn't hold anything to wrestling to me. I mean, you you can compare some of it to the old like hardcore matches of the WWE, but they're even way more overblown than that.
0: Like and those sucked too. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I did not. I did not enjoy. And this is and this is where I also stand. I did not enjoy anything about the hardcore title when I was 20. None. I never liked that championship. I never liked those matches. I never found it interesting. I never found any of the stuff they did in WCW in that vein ever to be interesting. Um, When I look back on the greatest matches of all time, I don't put TLC in my top 100 matches. It was a great spot fest with some impressive things to happen, but there was no wrestling psychology, nothing that really resonated other than a big bump. So it's just not, it wasn't for me when I was in the perfect age for it to resonate for me. And it certainly doesn't when I'm 40 years old. So I am glad that we missed that match. If I would have still been there and you would have been awake, which I hope would have been, those would have gone together probably I think we would I think we would have ta- I think we would have talked through the entire match and laughed at it
1: yeah and, and you know there's good, there there's people who would say like oh well you laughing at it means that uh, that's a reaction and that's uh that means that it entertained you like it's almost like the uh, the complete extreme opposite of X pac heat is is It's we're laughing at you, not with you like this is not that uh, reaction that I I think that anyone who's involved in it wants.
0: An embarrassed, nervous laughter. This is something else. Let's let's open everything up and, and explain the situation we were in. There was a party in and around your house as we were watching full gear and sporadic friends of yours, people that I've met, but close friends of yours and your family were coming in and out of your house, grabbing beers, using the restroom, hanging out with each other. And they were stopping many of them to look and go, Oh, these guys are watching pro wrestling. And there were multiple times when I was like, Oh, don't, don't recognize that we're watching this. Because this isn't good. I don't want you to see the thing that I'm doing. It was like I I was like an uh, an embarrassed uh, 15-year-old masturbating in my dad's in the bathroom. Like, I don't want you to see what I'm doing here. This is embarrassing, right? So would it have
1: been less embarrassing if we were watching it in my bedroom, sitting in my bed together instead of in the living room?
0: uh, Probably. (laughs) <laughs> much, much more. But if if the uh Hardy compound match would have been on, that would be even more embarrassing, right? So yeah. that that was that's my feeling on those kind of things. And yeah, I would have liked to see MJF and Chris Jericho, but at the same time I have no desire to watch it because they did a singing and dancing bit. That I had no interest in ever watching. They, I don't understand why MJF, the ultimate cocky, sparmy heel, wants to join the inner circle. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I don't care about the inner circle because they're not badass heels anymore. They're a comedy troupe. So they mean nothing. MJF can be great, but he's just a slapstick artist in the last several weeks. So that... It, on the face of it, if you would have told me a year ago when Chris Jericho was a badass heel leading the company that was willing to put out John Moxley's eye with a spike and destroy Cody Rhodes, that he was going to fight MJF, I would have said, God damn it, bring it on. A year later, meh. Didn't feel like I missed anything. Uh,
1: th- This whole feud is... To to, to harp on this for a little bit is MJF wants to join. Jericho's not sure if he wants him to join. Jericho offers him this ability to join. Half of Jericho's group does not want MJF. More than half of his group. Uh, Jericho loses... And is uh, like, I, I've seen the, the, at least the stills. Jericho seemed like he celebrated with MJF after losing a match.
0: It's heel versus heel. None of it met. Ma- the theme of dynamite for me, I try to come up with themes from time to time, but it doesn't happen every week. But this was one that came to me is that, baby, no matter what Cody Rhodes says on Twitter, heels and babyfaces matter in pro wrestling that was the theme and we got a jump start the night before the you know the show before on on the pay-per-view because you had a heel versus heel match where we're supposed to care about one of these people and we saw a heel versus heel match on on uh, on, on dynamite we saw the bucks who are not heels or babyfaces they're just annoying we saw all this stuff. Kenny Omega's not a heel or is he? As JR would say, are they fish or fowl? We got to understand who these people are. And if you want to if you want to say heels and babyfaces don't matter cuz Stone Cold Steve Austin was kind of a heel with heel tendencies and he was still a babyface fine. I'll concede you that, but you're missing the grander point. We knew we were supposed to like Steve Austin. I don't know if I'm supposed to like Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or Cody or MJF or Chris Jericho. I don't know whether I'm supposed to like anybody. They present them all in a way that I'm supposed to hate them one week and like them the other. Sammy Guevara was the baby face, was a, a red hot baby face with a hot tag coming in in a tag match. Days before he was supposed to be obliterated by Matt Hardy in the compound and be the biggest heel in the company. It, none of it makes any sense. And the MJF and Jericho thing is a glowing example of it. Who am I behind? Who am I supposed to root for? If I'm just supposed to be watching a professional wrestling match, I might as well be in a gym somewhere cold knowing nothing about the people because that's what you're giving me.
1: So let me ask you this of the show that we saw that you saw mm-hmm. is there any positives anything that stood out to you as good
0: I didn't there were parts of the omega and page match that I liked I thought that they did some good things um it was a, the omega page match was a very good AEW match if I, was, if I was having two rating scales, what I really enjoy watching and the AEW scale, the Omega Page match was very high. It's a 4.5. It was exactly what a good AEW match looks like. There was enough no-selling and contrived stuff that wasn't necessary for me to go, I don't, this is stupid. But it was still flashy and had enough... It had it had the famous three four spots where the match should have logically ended, but they kept going because they had to because it's an AEW match situation. And for some people, that's the best thing in the world, and they'll give it five stars and it can break Meltzer's scale again or whatever. But I did enjoy parts of it. I like I like Kenny Omega as a heel. I think he works better that way. His entrance is the dumbest entrance in all professional wrestling. But if he's a heel, cool. If I'm supposed to like him, you're missing the mark. Page is awesome when he's not a depressed drunk. I didn't get that vibe out of him in this match. Um, but that was, that was a thing that I can say positively about the show.
1: I, I would say, bar, uh, barring the pre-show match... That I enjoyed every other match oh, that I saw. Um, I liked the pre-show match with uh, Serena Deeb. Uh, I, I like Serena Deep. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the Omega Page match. I enjoyed the Darby Cody Rhodes match. I enjoyed the tag team title match. Um,
0: well, what about well, the tag team title match I didn't see. What about yeah. Alex Silver versus uh, Orange Cassidy?
1: Alex Silver. Uh John Silver. John, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Who cares?
0: That's that's my point. I'm sorry. Al- I just, Alex Reynolds I did not mean to do one. that, but that's true. That's my point.
1: Yeah. Um it, it was a match. It it was it was nothing special.
0: It was not uh, only was it nothing special, the Dark Order was supposed to be this dark, brooding thing. It's now a comedy troupe, just like the inner circle. Um and was it the with the? Uh, I'm gonna keep calling him Alex now. Was it the Alex Silver Orange Cassidy match where I pointed out to you that a dude totally no sold a suplex Ultimate Warrior style and went directly into a finish? Ah, uh,
1: I don't remember that.
0: There, there was some point. It, it might have actually been in the Omega and uh, Page match that I I got I, I saw something. I was like furious that someone no straight up in it. You know, it might've been uh page n- completely know something, a, um, a Snapdragon suplex and popping immediately up and not in that, as you would always say, Japanese fighting spirit where he barely gets up, delivers a clothesline and they both collapse, but pops up ultimate warrior Hulk Hogan style and delivers a series of move like nothing, absolutely nothing happened to them. Um, I couldn't remember which match that happened in, but yeah, that's garbage. I, I hate <laughs> the Dark Order. They should never be on television ever again. Orange Cassidy, cute. The first five times you see it, there's a reason why he was an independent wrestler that went around. And when you saw it for the first time, you're like, oh, this is interesting. This is kind of funny. This guy's doing this thing. And then you see it over and over again. And you go, oh, there's nothing else to him.
1: Is is he like one of those uh, characters that would have worked perfectly in a territory system to where he could get moved around from territory to territory? (laughs) And like you see it for uh, for a few weeks and you're like, oh, fun, and then he moves on before it gets stale.
0: The fact that you are asking if Orange Cassidy would have worked perfectly in the (laughs) territory system somewhere, Ole Anderson is crying. Um, (laughs) Is Ole Anderson alive? I don't know. Uh, But if he... uh, Actually, he would never be crying. He would just be curmudgeonly angry at... And first of all, he would never hear this because I don't think he has, uh, (laughs) you know, the internet. But um, Orange Cassidy... I've said this before. Orange Cassidy does have charisma. There is something about Orange Cassidy that has an effortlessly cool vibe around him. And if he just kept the silly and the stupid and that personality outside of the ring and was a fucking daredevil maniac on the inside, and did some of the decent stuff he can do, I could get behind him. But after seeing the lackadaisical shin kicks in the context of a pro wrestling match for the 20th time, I just literally want someone to punch him in the mouth so hard that he never gets up again. And he's the babyface. Yeah. I want someone to hit him in a way that he never comes back to professional wrestling because it's dumb. That's my interpretation. So, no, him going into a place, into a cold gym who's never seen this person before and him having this personality, I absolutely see people going, this is something new. This is really cool. I don't think it has staying power. But okay. some of the AW fan bases will probably prove me wrong in this. um the Cody and Darby Allen match. I am really bummed that Cody Rose won't just turn heel if that's where they're going with this. yeah, I'm really bummed that if he's staying babyface that they won't keep the title on him because he just had a huge fucking feud with Brody Lee moments ago and then drops the title to to Darby Allen. I don't mind Darby as a t- as a TNT champ. I really like the open a dynamite with him, who's like low rent sting. He's not in the rafters because <laughs> there aren't any, but he sits on you know the higher seats. But uh, they were saying like he's up
1: in the rafters. No, he's not. He's in the upper deck, like that's an actual seat.
0: But you know what? I, I dig it. I I think this was a good match. I think that these two have. Uh, have some chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I'm waiting for in AEW, I'm waiting for the entertainment to happen for me. And Cody won't turn heel. The Young Bucks won't really turn heel. Kenny Omega has weird women dancing around awkwardly. Uh, FTR is kind of babyface and kind of heel half the time. I'm waiting to understand this show. And They haven't, and this is kind of a a match that kind of echoed all those ideas.
1: Well, if you're looking for the entertainment, Kevin, it's coming soon with
0: Shaq. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) You, the one match that I did not watch that you did watch was FTR and the Young Bucks. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that, Mike. I have nothing to say about it whatsoever i've read the reports and unfairly i have my opinions on those reports because i hate the young bucks but what did you think about the match i thought it was a
1: good tag team match uh do i i would even uh, i'd probably even say that it's a little better than good is it is it world changing no uh i i can think of plenty of tag team matches that i've seen off the top of my head that are better than that and a number of them involve ftr in NXT yeah um but i i can think of ring of honor matches that i've seen in the past that were better than this and didn't involve the young bucks uh i think it was a fine fine tag team match and i i don't want to take anything away from these guys they did a great job i i love that uh part of it part of the storytelling of it involved ftr or, or at least cash feeling like i need to go to the well and do a flip and it failing miserably for him and that i i think that that's an excellent part of storytelling to them being that like we're trying to beat them at our own game. Fuck, we can't. Uh let's go to their game and it blow up in their face. Uh but I mean, it this would probably be my favorite match of the card. Okay. Um, I I make no bones that I, I think I consider myself a tag team wrestling fan more than singles matches. Uh, I, I think that some of my favorite matches of all times are tag team matches. So uh, I, I, I maybe am a little biased with that, but hey, uh, that's that's just the way that I think on on this. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. maybe a bit long probably a bit long it was
0: almost a half hour i think but i enjoyed it i'm glad you did and while i was not i mean i went to your place you you know plunked down the money to to buy the pay-per-view if you would have told me and i i was not i had not even seen a young bucks match not even seen one when the whole twitter feud started If you would have told me that FTR slash The Revival was going to fight the Young Bucks on pay-per-view for the first time, and I had not seen any of the build from AEW, I would have paid $50 for the replay or whatever it was the next day or later that night to watch this match. The build of this match was so garbage. Yeah. I don't know who I'm supposed to, and when I say this, it seems like I'm a moron. I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. You need to spoon (laughs) feed me. No, no, that's true. I'm supposed to have a, Luke Skywalker is a baby face. Darth Vader is a heel. This is not childish stuff. This is just narrative storytelling. It works in, has worked in all the history of storytelling to this point. So this isn't simplistic stuff. I'm not trying to say that I'm dumb and I don't understand it. I'm telling you that the build to this was so terrible. The Bucks were super kicking fucking Tony Schiavone of all people. And they're supposed to be the baby faces here. They're overcoming the adversity of an ankle injury. But when FTR came in, they wanted to restore the glory of the tag team division. And then they became the heels, but they were friends for a while. And that didn't make any goddamn sense. They fucked this up beyond all recognition almost immediately to the point where even though I don't like the Young Bucks, I still would have wanted to see this match. I do not feel cheated that I did not and feel no compulsion to watch it because they did such a terrible job in the build. And the follow-up the next night on Dynamite, I got nothing, man. I have no interest in the Young Bucks. I continually, and I've said this before, every single solitary time I see them, I have less interest in seeing what they do next.
1: They they were still coming across as dicks on uh, Dynamite. The, the apology to Alex Marvez seemed like bullies who the principal was like you apologize to them right now like sorry for what we did
0: and if they had any charisma any believability as badasses if we liked them at all and i mean we i mean me if i liked them at all if i find them at all interesting i could like that because they got an edge to them but i don't I don't believe them as badasses. I don't think they're cool. They dress like morons. They're smaller than me. And I think I could beat the shit out of both of them. They're not cool. I, I, they're just not. They do really impressive pro wrestling moves from time to time that I go, fuck. If they would just use that as a finish in the middle of a good, solid pro wrestling match, I might be. I might be fucking all over the Young Bucks. But they're just not that interesting to me. And every time I see them, I care less about them. And now they're the tag champs. They found a way to make this tag division worse. Now, if the Young Bucks would have been pushing the babyfaces the whole time and sold an ankle injury and overcome FTR, it could have worked. Yeah. If... FTR would have been the babyfaces in this with great traditional tag team wrestling and the Young Bucks would have failed and they had to refine their roots and become a great babyface team to beat them three, six months down the road. It could have worked. There's tons of ways this could have been booked to make sense and even get a curmudgeonly old 40-year-old man like me on board. (laughs) But at no point did they ever tell a coherent story. No. No,
1: not at all. Um So since we're kind of getting into talking about dynamite, I had an epiphany during this episode.
0: Oh, I want to hear this so badly.
1: Alright, so what is I I you know what this is this is too wrong. I I can't just ask you this question. Uh what I was going to ask is what is one of our biggest gripes about AEW? This could go on forever. <laughs> but the, the gripe that I'm specifically talking about is that they assume that we know everyone in professional wrestling history,
0: <sighs> independent or
1: otherwise.
0: Not even history. Current people working at independents who have never been on television, yes. they assume we know who they are. You know
1: who has been mentioned many 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 times on AEW television and has never been on AEW television? Who?
0: Tony fucking Khan. <laughs> no, he has been on AEW television. When? Uh he was in a back in a, in a backstage brawl. He was basically sitting at Gorilla or whatever they would talk about and was on television at one point.
1: Okay. because he wasn't, the only featured, time, he wasn't
0: didn't give a promo or anything.
1: The only time I remember his anything actually related to him, other than an announcer saying, Tony Khan, I said, that, like, someone tuning in, who the fuck is Tony Khan? Like, it was when Moxley charged into his dressing room, camera stayed outside of the dressing room and caught the conversation yeah. between that, them.
0: That happened. That was very powers that be early yes. Vince Russo and WCW yeah but we we keep
1: on hearing about Tony Khan has said this Tony Khan has said that but he's never on TV and a person just tuning in and being like all hey, right who's Tony Khan like why have I never seen this guy like i feel like if you're going to have this person be an authority figure at least show him every once in a while. Let let him be the one to announce the
0: matches like William Regal. William Regal is the modern day Jack Tunney, right? Yeah. Uh, Shows up when he needs to. When he needs to, does not distract from what's going on, but has the authority and the presence to make himself important in the situation. Mm-hmm. I think a wrestling promotion could do very well to follow that mode. Not someone that cuts 20-minute promos to open the show, not someone who is the quote-unquote authority figure, but just a person that— I I don't need that. Yeah. But I I agree with you. I I think you could do that. And AEW is ripe, ripe with people who could fill that role that are not Tony Khan. Arn Anderson, Jim Ross, Taz— I know they're all doing their own thing right now but each one of them are people who could be amazing in that role. And by the way, Arn Anderson could be doing so much more than every now and then standing outside of a Cody Rhodes match, especially and we didn't talk about this at the on the pay-per-view, he came out to the to the ring with 37 people. Yes. <laughs> and then after the beatdown when he got beat up by Team FTW, where were they? He has a small militia (laughs) that brings him out to the ring. One of the people I've never seen before, but they're part of the Nightmare family. Not one of them came to his rescue. A good pro wrestling booker would say, well, we ain't going to do this angle because it don't make sense, because Billy Gunn's sitting ringside, but they don't do that because it doesn't fit their narrative. Well, then don't set the table for it. Um, they
1: must have had a hell of a spread that night. That everyone was <laughs> just catering like, yet. "Oh, this fucking food right now."
0: But and you know, and I'm I'm gonna go off on a little tangent, and I promise it'll be brief. But
1: Kevin going off on a tangent, he, first time, folks. Here we go.
0: <laughs> but. This is the problem I have with this. You control the booking of this, right? This is pro wrestling. You get to dictate what happens. And just a little bit of foresight allows you to book your show properly. And when I, as the consumer of your product, am sitting there watching Cody and Darby being, being beaten down, by Team FTW. And the first thing I think of is not, oh, fuck, Darby and Cody are getting their asses kicked. I want to see them get beat up the heels. That's what, that's what good narrative storytelling should emote from a person watching. The first thing I thought was, well, where is all his fucking backup? They were just there 15 minutes ago. If that is what my brain goes to immediately, not because I'm trying to criticize the product, but my logical mind is telling me he's got seven people to their three ready and willing to kick the shit out of anybody and defend him. So you have a gap. So find a way to erase it. They were locked in a dressing room. And Taz is in there barring the door, you know, they're in the dressing room watching the, the match and there's one of the old school handles and he literally throws a bar through the door so they can't get out. And that's when, you know, Starks and Cage attack. Take this extra second to assume that we're logical adults watching TV and not make us look like morons. And by you? the way, and I always say this, I had never thought about the fact that Taz could have done that until just now. <laughs> and I don't work in this business. Anyway. Tangent over.
1: Thank you for a said tangent. Um all right. Let's let's talk a little bit more about dynamite. And uh what all went down there what what transpired the a few things stand out to me the main event which i want to get to in a little a little bit i don't want to start off with the main event because i have a lot to say about that oh okay um but the the whole Moxley Omega build that we're getting now I, I think that there's some interesting stuff going on here. I think I think that uh Moxley cut a good promo. He did. He almost and always then, does. Yeah. And then the why Omega's leaving seems like it it, it should be a plot point, but probably it's won't be. It's supposed to
0: matter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I loved how he brought up We've never fought in a singles match before because that match was unsanctioned. I did like that. I did like that a lot. And But that is also a heel thing to do. So is this defining Kenny
0: Omega as the heel here? AEW is has already approached and are in WWE territory. I no longer trust... That they will do the right thing and tell the right story. I no longer give them any leeway when I see Kenny Omega hinting a heel tactic, hinting a heel promo that it's going to lead to something. Because it won't. He will just be a quote-unquote tweener this entire time during this entire feud. That's my prediction. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Kenny Omega is a flat-out goddamn fucking heel because I don't like him and I want to see Jon Moxley smack the shit out of him. And I'm not a huge Jon Moxley fan, but anyone fighting Kenny Omega, I want to see him slap the shit out of him. So if they can use this to, to put Kenny Omega in that spot, I am all for it. I have zero trust that that is where they're going. But I did okay. like it. And, I, and, I, and yeah. by the way, I'm 100% with you, man. I was like, ah, that's a pretty cool thing to say. That's the second week in a row that I've enjoyed a Kenny Omega promo. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. New, new record. But I'm, uh, willing, I'm willing to admit that. I don't like yeah. the guy, but he did a good job in that.
1: Um, the What did you think of the bunkhouse brawl match?
0: Okay, so I learned a few things. One. <laughs> did you uh,
1: learn the origin of the match? Because we were supposed to, and I don't think we got
0: that. We did not. I learned that Butcher now straight up wrestles in a smock. Um, That's the thing I learned. I learned that professional grade. I have an acoustic guitar. I, I just want to put this out there. I've played it over the Ooh. years. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm just saying I'm one of those guys. I have an acoustic guitar. I wanted to learn it. I never became good at it. You know, I was never the guy at the party that was like, ah, I got this acoustic guitar. Let me serenade you. But now I realize why. My acoustic guitar was not filled with baby powder. If I had filled my guitar with baby powder, like the guitar in AEW that was busted over someone's head and baby powder flew everywhere, maybe I would have been a star. Maybe that was the trick, the secret to great uh music. So I learned that uh there was way too much interior design in this. There was setting up spots, million tables and putting this there. It was a typical spot fest wild crazy match which I have no interest in. They they don't the brutality in this match was real. In my opinion, I think these guys worked stiff. I think they hurt each other. Not too bad, but I think they hurt each other enough. And I think that the way they did it with the contrived spots and the setting up of tables and two chairs to do moves onto, I think it was less convincing. And they hurt each other more than if they just would have thrown each other into ramps and beat the shit out of each other. With worked punches. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that anyone was ever actually hurt in this, even though they probably were hurt more if they just worked a match. Oh, there,
1: there is one spot that I was sure there was, an, it like someone had to be hurt, and that was uh, Butcher ran across the ring with a steel chair and did a like uh, a a body press to Dustin while holding the chair. It looked like he just destroyed dustin with a chair and his body and i i was kind of like oh uh when i saw that now dustin got right back up to doing things i imagined he was getting right back up to beat the shit out of a guy who were who might have been working a little too uh dangerously but no it was all part of part of the 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 gig the the brawling aspect of this match i really enjoyed the spots were very contrived and seen a mile away uh, on it. You picked up that I didn't see uh, Blade passing Dustin, the the cowbell, f- for the finish.
0: There, there was a spot where, after a move, uh, Dustin rolled to the left side of the ladder, if we are looking at the screen, and... Blade was on the right side and the cowbell was in between them in the middle of a ladder that was set up. And Blade literally grabbed the cowbell on the rope and slid it to Dustin. And it happened in full view of the camera. And I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I rewound it twice to make sure I didn't see anything crazy. That's exactly what happened. There are times, there was a botched Canadian destroyer by Dustin to Butcher. And there was a time in the early days of our podcast where we would call out all the quote-unquote missed spots, right? We, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the name of our sh- fucking show. Um, I don't. We, tw- we don't do that anymore for the most yeah. part because these guys are working and things happen, okay? That is a unforgivable. You cannot do that in a show. That is obviously two guys working together to put together the next thing that's going to happen in the match. That was terrible. I'll take 10 missed botched Canadian destroyers over one guy sliding a bull rope and bell over to the opposite team. Um, We also had in this match something that was completely unearned. QT McWhiskers, our buddy, and Blade are nobodies on this show. They are Lower mid-card people. They had both had blood streaming down their faces. They're fighting over the bunny, which is an angle that's played out on dark. And we're supposed to care when they square off in the middle of the ring. And we don't. And by we, I mean me. But I think you too. Yeah. It's not earned. You've done nothing to make me care in any way, shape, or form about either of these people. But you set up a spot in a, in a match that seems like I should. You've missed the mark completely.
1: I think that there the story that we had with this team, or these teams, that Bunny left Butcher and Blade shacked up with Mick whiskers became part of the nightmare family left them to join back up because it was all ruse. Like this happened over the course of months. It was long storytelling,
0: but it was never on dynamite and and not even the kind of thing we used to get on nitro for thunder. This is what happened on thunder. And this is a, playback of that we've never yeah. even gotten that no we got bunny as
1: being the manager of butcher and the blade then weeks later she's hanging out with the nightmare family For no reason. and they're, they're we're just told like yeah she's with them now they're a little weary of her but we're still not told what happened how this happened and we see that a bit then it's off TV for a bit. And then I feel like it was two weeks ago, like, oh, she's back with Butcher and the Blade? Like, the story wrote itself. It's, it's, it's a very simple storyline. They did it over the course of a long period of time, but they never told
0: us it for those who only watch Dynamite. And, and by it, the way, it, like, that story could have got QT McWhiskers over with me. Yeah. It could have. And it I'm not could say have been would a high-profile feud. I'm not saying it would have, but it could have. They never gave me a chance. They never once gave me a chance to care about these people. Other than Dustin Rhodes, who I watched intently On in this match, I cared about no one. I didn't care about the people on the outside of the ring. I didn't care about the people on the inside. And because of that, I didn't care about the match. And it didn't matter. And it won't matter tomorrow. So who the fuck cares? Uh, You know, one of the things, and we're just kind of jumping all over the place. I want to mention this. When Dynamite opened up, they had a new open. Mm -hmm. And it opened with a Taz promo. And we don't get Dynamite shows opening up with promos very often. Because of that, I like this promo. Because the promo was succinct. It wasn't long-winded. It wasn't done in the ring to the hard camera. I liked it. I thought it was great. We had a new intro. Felt fresh. We had Taz coming out and cutting a succinct, excellent promo. And we went right into action. I was set to love this show. I was. I, I wrote down, like, love the Open of Dynamite. I'm... I am hundred percent behind this. Somebody is freaking feeding that. We've got something we can work with. And then Matt Seidel, who by the way, means nothing to me, nothing. And I can't imagine means anything to AEW fans went 15 minutes with fucking Brian cage. For what reason? This was a masterclass on how to get nobody over. Matt Seidel coming out of this match will not be a gritty underdog babyface that's going to challenge for the TNT title tomorrow. He won't be. Just another guy. Brian Cage coming out of this is not a monster that beats up everyone in his path and is a danger to the next person he fights. He's a guy that has 15-minute matches on Dynamite with guys that we don't care about. Taz on commentary was great. Ricky Starks on the outside was excellent. But someone has to say you don't have to have competitive matches with every goddamn person you get in the ring with.
1: And This is is another one of those persistent issues that we have with AEW. Not every match needs to be a a competitive one.
0: So you agree with that? Yes. Because it it, it stuck out to me like a sore goddamn thumb.
1: And I'll admit I like Matt Seidel, but he has no bearing on anything in AEW. Our only time that we've seen him was in that Battle Royal where he nearly died. (laughs) Yeah, he botched the
0: first movie ever did. And that's not his fault. That happens. He's been
1: relegated to dark.
0: And you don't just throw, if you think he's good and he can do something, well, then tell us that. If you think Brian Cage is a monster and he should be pushed as as, as such, tell us that. Don't just put them out on matches and say, well, oh, what a great match these guys just had. And when you say tell us that, do you mean
1: show us that? Well,
0: I do. But I, I also mean tell us that. I, I will say that.
1: Because I t- feel like they like to tell us things. They but that don't, doesn't matter if we don't
0: see it. I, I, your point is well taken. I do think that Tony Schiavone, Excalibur uh, to a lesser extent, and Jim Ross do a better job than the WWE announcers on making us genuinely feel that they're telling us about somebody who is talented. It doesn't seem like catchphrases. It doesn't seem like Vince McMahon is someone's ear. They do a better job. But you're right. They have to show us. They have to show us that Brian Cage is dominant. They have to show us that he's that just uh, what was his name again? Matt Seidel. Sorry, yep. that that's my point. That Matt Seidel is not in his goddamn league. He's another guy. He's an enhancement talent. Until we know more, that's what he is. That's that's the hierarchy of pro wrestling, man someone's got to go over they got to go over freaking convincingly until they meet someone of equal stature where somebody else can be elevated and made to look more important and yeah. AEW does a terrible job of that
1: you can't have a movable force versus um,
0: uh, irresistible
1: force versus immovable object every single match
0: it doesn't work it it serves no one once again Masterclass on how to get no one over. Brian cage is not a better performer after that match. I care. I don't care more about him and I don't care more about Matt side out. You've wasted my time and you've wasted the television time on the faction. Uh, we have to Mike, we have to talk. I don't about want to. the Cody Rhodes. Oh, no. I promo. knew where
1: you were going.
0: Um, there was a person, the human, mammal, bipedal, that, Just I'm just trying to give descriptive terms, that came out with no reason to be given a microphone. Seemingly have never had a microphone before. We've never seen them. They've never had a hype video, a promo. They've ne- we've never anticipated their coming. And they showed up out of nowhere as a nobody and cut a terrible promo and talked way too long and then mentioned Shaquille O'Neal of all people and then had Brandy Rhodes come out and cut, admittedly, a pretty good promo on her. I mean, it was written to the word for sure. But it sounded convincing. What was this? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Like... uh, I I know nothing about this person. Like... She should have been treated like a fan jumping the, the fucking barricade. And... Cody applauded her and and and, and like he he took in the compliments that she he ate it all up um i've never heard anyone call cody or including cody himself call him the giant killer Uh,
0: maybe during like the brody lee thing i i but i don't i can't even think of a time where he would have used i mean he did fight lance archer was it yeah. during that time? I but don't I don't remember it. I've watched every show. That didn't resonate with me at all.
1: But to to sum this all up as a tease for Shaquille O'Neal to be coming in to fight Cody Rhodes. I don't. Give a fuck.
0: Mike Tyson is a 50-year-old man who was once considered the baddest man on the planet, who was a person who was once instrumental in the WWE reaching the mainstream popular- popularity that he did in the late 90s. Bringing him in to present Cody with a TNT championship seems contrived. I forgot all about that until you just said this. But I'm I'm just saying, like, that happened. Shaquille O'Neal, NBA player, one of the greatest of all time, never fought anybody in his life, other than if you look at the game Shaq Fu, which no one should (laughs) ever look at, was once teased to fight the Big Show in the WWE, a match that literally no one has ever wanted to see. No one ever asked for. And when they teased it, people said, please don't do this. Now they're teasing Cody Rhodes, fighting a 50-year-old man who is famous for being in the Icy Hot videos. Videos, commercials is probably the better term for that. Or shilling for the general, uh, depending on the region that you live in. Um, wow. Embarrassing awful, this person who was giving this promo seemed like they saw a microphone for the first time in their life, were confused by it, didn't quite know how to talk into it, and just winged it from that point on. I don't ever want to see that person again. I don't necessarily, necessarily want to see Brandy cut a promo like that again. I was interested in what Cody Rhodes was going to say as a professional wrestler. And I got none of that. So I have lost in every conceivable form as a consumer of this product. It was terrible, unredeemable, and that's it.
1: And it made you think less of a character who you usually genuinely like
0: I love Cody I do I just wish he would just become a heel stick to being a babyface. if you're gonna start doing push-ups in the middle of the ring and be cocky then go full bore man you know but I do like Cody he's a great promo he's one of the best in-ring workers In AEW, he tells a good story, but he's getting himself involved in too much of this fucking Gaga bullshit. And if he's going to fight Shaquille O'Neal at the next AEW pay-per-view, I will not watch that match. I did not watch the punter fight Adam Cole. I will not watch the center fight Cody Rhodes. I care about my sanity too much. I like myself too much to watch that.
1: I'm now imagining a faction that is like the center, the punter, and the catcher. (laughs) And like Buster Posey like comes out and joins them or something.
0: This Uh, is why even though we're similar ages, I'm much older than you. I was just thinking Mickey Templeton. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead
1: all right um I feel like we've gone a little long on uh talking about this but we have before going into the main event was there anything else specific to the show that you want to bring up
0: Sky versus Spears happy to see it happen on Dynamite uh Spears has won 11 straight matches I have not seen one of them no. they've all been on dark so they didn't matter they didn't happen so you're an idiot So show them, stop giving me bullshit I don't care about, including, sorry to say, uh, the heels fighting in the main event. I could go without the first match and the second match. If you're trying to push Sean Spears winning 11 matches in a row, put him on fucking Dynamite. Um, Velvet, not Velveteen Dream, Velvet Cake, no, Red Velvet, versus uh, Ty Conti. Yeah. Both of these women have so much more potential than 90% of their roster. I would take either one of these over. And by the way, this match was not perfect. You pointed no. out that Velvet Cake, like, slapped her thigh on a <laughs> spot that she was supposed to miss a kick. Yeah. This was not perfect. But if you're looking at pure athleticism and, like, impact on moves and the way they just move around the ring. Big swole, redundant. Both of these women were heads and tails ahead of someone like that. In my opinion. Yeah. I didn't love their presentation.
1: Conti looked blown up uh, at one point during that match. Like just being Irish whipped into the corner, she looked like she had no gas left in the tank.
0: No, but but, but, but she Go ahead.
1: The the her judo like offense, like those love that. those throws are impressive. And Velvet does a good job of selling that, taking it, uh taking those bumps. And uh I I love that. Both both of these women are highly athletic and show a lot of potential. I think they said like 3 and f- 4 years each respectively uh, experience. They got they got time to to get better.
0: They both need tons of work. But they're so much better than most of the roster for the women's division, and that's what stuck out to me. I would I will watch either one of them over big swole any day of the week. I'll watch either one of them over most of that roster any, any day of the week. Now, I'll take Serena Deeb. And we did not talk at all about um, the Women's Championship match, which we both saw on Full Gear. Yeah. And I will just say this. When um, uh, Riho was no longer on AEW television, I did not miss her. She was the first AEW Women's Champion. At no point have I ever said, Man, I miss Riho. I can't wait till she comes back. At no point. When Hikaru Shida drops the championship in his off television, at no point will I go, Man, can't wait till Hikaru Shida comes back. That's my feeling on it. Nyla yeah. Rose has real potential. Could be amazing. Continues to be bested by someone who does not have the potential, in my opinion, to be a real star. Uh, Britt Baker is a bigger star. There are people in that division that could be better than um, Hikaru Shida. But that stood out to me. I have no interest yep. in seeing her. None.
1: Uh, I would agree. Uh, I was very surprised when she retained the title. I I've, I've thought for sure this was a way of reestablishing... like the the maybe not necessarily homegrown talent, but focusing on the talent who are more regular and have characters built into them. Uh and Nyla Rose has had a character built into her since practically the beginning, uh, where she is just a women's professional wrestler from Japan. Yeah. Uh, which isn't a character.
0: And Nyla Rose has There's something about Nala Rose. There's a star power. There's a personality. And forget Vicky Guerrero, because all that stuff, to me, is superfluous. does not need it. She cuts a better promo than Vicky Guerrero across the board, in my opinion. Um, But I know you really wanted to talk about the main event. Mm -hmm. You had some strong feelings about it. And now you have the floor. Let's talk about that as we go out.
1: So my strong feelings about this is I really liked probably about 95% of this entire main event segment, Um, match, uh, commentary, and aftermath. Um, I think that Eddie Kingston was fantastic on commentary. He did a great job. I think The promo that he cut before and after were awesome. I loved him mocking the crowd and their chants. Uh, I love that. Great too. heel work. I like the heel work that he did during the commentary of constantly siding with Penta. Like he, he showed the divide in the, he was telling a story. Yes. Yes. I agree. And I think the match between Penta and Phoenix was the best match. I've seen those two in ever. Now I'm I'm not super familiar with a lot of their indie and their Mexican uh, matches, but this told a fantastic story to me. Them both going at each other's masks when they know how important that is to their their heritage and their lineage and all of that. Uh, I thought that there was good storytelling. It wasn't just a bunch of spots. There were spots. Oh yeah, Uh, for sure. There were some spots with outside stuff, and I thought that the finish was brutal as fuck. With Penta pretty much killing his brother, three big spots like in a row: the the package pile driver on the on the the apron, the uh, Canadian destroyer on the outside, followed by another package pile driver, all in a row, and that put him like. Him just doing all of those in a row I thought was a really good way to finish it. And then to to cap it all off, we get the return of Pack to come into this whole thing with his former... And them actually acknowledging that there was this short-term...
0: For a week and a half. Yeah.
1: Thing group. going yeah. on there. They didn't just brush it under the uh, the rug. But... Eddie Kingston has brought that up in commentary and promos before. So a nice like tease to this. So with that all said, I'm looking forward to a feud between PAC and Eddie and with the Lucha Bros involved in some way. Like
0: I really enjoyed this. To talk about the finish of that match, I will borrow a phrase from Jim Cornette a hat on a hat, and I'll add one, on a hat. They had three finishes. Why did it take a package pile driver, a hospitalization angle on the ring apron, then a Canadian destroyer on the floor, then a package pile driver in the middle of the ring to finish this match? I did not enjoy that. I didn't feel it built to anything. It felt contrived. And didn't make sense to me. Um, I did not like the fact that these were two heels that I don't care about. That no one has ever done anything on this show to make me care about. And I'm supposed to like one the over the other? I'm supposed to like one of these people? They're two heels. I don't like either one of these people. And they wanted me to somehow like one of them here. This was the my theme of this show, which is heels and baby faces matter. I don't feel that Ray Phoenix or Penta were worthy of me being interested in them. I agree do with you. Do you not think Do you not think
1: that Ray Phoenix came out looking sympathetic at, at the end of this?
0: Oh I, I do think he came out looking sympathetic at, at the end of this. I d do, I don't disagree with that. But I watched an entire match between these guys a couple weeks ago, and they were just two heels I didn't care about, that have not been pushed, that are in a B-level faction that really have done nothing. in on TV, if you take away their history and all the stuff that they expect us to know about, and they just gave us another match with them and put on the main event and expected me to care about it, When they announced this as the main event, my first reaction was, why would these two guys get the main event of anything? They're just two guys. They don't even matter in this promotion, let alone as a blood feud between brothers. And then when they started ripping masks off, I went, this is a really cool angle. I really wish this would be, and this is stupid, but a Rockers feud. I wish this would be a feud. When guys start ripping masks off each other, they fucking hate each other. They want to embarrass the other one. If Ray Phoenix would have turned babyface a week ago and they built to this, I think it would have been great. But they did none of that. They just put these two guys out there and had them wrestle a match. And I did not care. I care. I do not care about Ray Phoenix. I do not care about Penta. And yes, I thought the Pac angle at the end wrapped things up in a nice bow. I was happy to see him back. I love that they used their history to push that. I thought, as you said, that uh, Eddie Kingston was great on commentary. I thought they did a lot of good stuff around this to make this palatable. But if you just, in my opinion, Use this as a microcosm of what this match was. I did not give a fucking shit about either one of these guys in any way, shape, or form. I didn't care about the mass ripping. I wanted to. I didn't care.
1: See, I, the way I I look at it is Kingston's been for seemingly a month or so calling Penta his best friend. Uh, like he he said it on uh, many times and already taking the side from an early standpoint. You had the first match between Phoenix and Penta that was a luck of the draw, uh, brother versus brother, let the best man win type of thing. And that happened. And Eddie got involved in like, Ray, you you, you can't be the winner here. You, you, you might get too hurt. You're uh renounce your win, let Penta move on. Pushing the the, the 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 division between the brothers and even further. So now for the for the second match, we think we're just gonna get more of the same. Oh another another let the let the best man win when the division has been teased between them before. They had they had issues in tag team matches. They had this match already Kingston has is, is picked uh, a, a side in things. And I feel like this match allowed a lot of that to blow up. Not not blow up completely, but they definitely showed more aggression towards one another. And when Penta took his liberties in trying to rip the mask, Ray did the same thing almost in retaliation. And uh, Kingston just kicking Ray out of the, out of the ring at the, the end there was a nice touch as well. It was very good i enjoyed it i i think that we're going to see a possibly a full-on blow-up soon uh hopefully next week in order to not have too much time pass between it and i i think that this has been some good storytelling and it has had made me feel sympathetic towards Ray Phoenix and feeling like he's getting the shaft from his brother who's being manipulated by Eddie Kingston to be like on his
0: side. I'm happy you feel that way. I at no point felt that way as I was watching this without your direction and you, the way you described it. I just saw two heels who have been bastards Uh to a point uh, for months and the entire history of AEW. I just saw two people who have done everything in the world for me not to like them fighting. And then you want me to like one of them. That's what I saw. And I think you've laid this out pretty well. I, I think if you were telling this story, I think you might've told it a little bit different. I think you might've had a week in between these matches, and this week you might have had some kind of blow-up backstage or something that pushes uh, Ray Phoenix more to the good side and gives us a, a whisper that he might be the good guy in this situation.
1: Yeah. and give- We could have gotten a promo uh, or or, so, or a vignette backstage to, to, to give more background.
0: Give me a chance to follow you. When I watch this and and this is what I I'm trying to I am always trying to just portray my natural reaction to something. And when I say something like I don't care about these people, it's not necessarily a condemnation on them as a performer, it's about the storyline. When I watch this match, I gave no shits about either one of these wrestlers. They were doing some fun stuff. They were doing some interesting things. When they started ripping masks off, I was like, my first thought was, oh, this would be cool if they actually built to this. That was my first thought. And maybe it's because I'm a mark, and maybe it's because I'm, you know, too far into professional wrestling and I overanalyze it. All true, possibly. But I did not enjoy this on a visceral level that I have enjoyed. The Rise of Becky Lynch or Kofi Kingston or Daniel Bryan. I have not enjoyed this on the way that I enjoyed FTR when they first came into AEW. I have not enjoyed this like I enjoyed uh, Chris Jericho versus Cody Rhodes or Chris Jericho versus John Moxley. There are angles over the last year or so that I've loved that made me feel something. This made me feel nothing. I don't care about these people. They've done nothing to make me care about them. And if you're going to give me a baby face I need to root for, you need to give me a reason to root for them. And they haven't done that with Bray Phoenix. I think what you're saying in your mind as, you, as you've as put it together is great. I just don't think they've brought me along with it. Okay. And that's fair enough. Um, Love seeing right. Pac back, by the way.
1: Yes. That was awesome. Long, long overdue.
0: That guy's amazing and an incredible worker and looks incredible. Um, I really hope that that turns out to be something special.
1: Yeah. Um, Anything else that you want to mention before we shove off here?
0: No, I feel like I've rained on your parade long enough, Mike. (laughs) I do want to say no. I'm really happy you enjoyed that freaking main event and I'm not trying to be shitty about it.
1: Oh no. I I I I know when you're uh being condescending and I don't take that as being condescending. Uh, most of
0: my life, Mike, most of my life is spent being condescending. <laughs>
1: All right, everyone. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we will be back next week. We're gonna we'll we'll be back on watching some NXT next week. So we'll uh, talk to you it's about been a few that. weeks. It's been yeah, it's been a few weeks since we've watched some NXT. So uh, in the meantime, uh, we will catch you then. For Kevin, my name's Mike. Good night. Good wrestling.